Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker, author, and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Chasing After the Wind series, where Dr. Jones teaches through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, and we learn that true satisfaction is found only in knowing the Lord and enjoying the life He provides. Now let's join him for today's message. Most of us grew up under a common teaching of things not to play with. You know, you talk, don't play with fire, right? Don't play with fire, why? Because you get burned. You know, you, you talk, don't play with electricity. You know, like, like as a little kid, if you love your child or you love your niece or your nephew and you see them with a fork and they about to stick it into their socket on the wall, you stop them. Now, if you don't like them, then, no, no, that's, that's I just want to make sure you listen. I just want to make sure you're listening with me. Well, you, you, don't, you don't play with that stuff. You know, you don't play with our, I, we live in a neighborhood where right by our neighborhood, uh, right by my house, between my house and the house next to us, there's this transformer and there's a lot of electrical things going over there. And every now and then I come out and I would start raising my voice to my kids to try to give them a heightened awareness like, don't play with that. Don't stand on it, sit on it, jump on it. It's not, it's not home base when you're playing tag. Why? Because why it's outfitted to try to protect, you just don't play with that stuff. Now, we, we know we need it. I, I need electricity in the house because I want the washing machine to work. I need the, I need the AC to work. You know, we need the electricity, but, but, but you don't play with it. Today, we're going to look at a passage that... The summary of it is just simply, if you don't remember anything else I talk about today, I want you, when we read this passage, you're going to learn this one summary statement is, don't play with God. Don't play with him. The teacher, Solomon, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, the first seven verses, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Better to approach in obedience than to offer the sacrifice as fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. Do not be hasty to speak and do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Just as dreams accompany much labor, so also a fool's voice comes with many words. When you make a vow to God, don't delay fulfilling it because he does not delight in fools. Fulfill what you vow. Better that you do not vow than that you vow and do not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth bring guilt on you and do not say in the presence of the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry with your words and destroy the work of your hands? For many dreams bring futility. So do many words. Therefore, Fear God. This passage is couched right between some of the teaching he's doing on wealth and, and how to perceive wealth and how to use wealth and how to even enjoy wealth when it comes to what God blesses you with. And right smack in between teaching on this aspect of how to utilize resources, he speaks about how we approach God. 
If you remember throughout this book, throughout this wisdom literature, he's writing and he's giving his perspective on human affairs when it's devoid of God. And he's basically saying it's futile. It's it's vanity. It's a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. It doesn't mean really anything. But when viewed with God in mind, when God is the center of it, that's where we find true satisfaction and joy. In the midst of all this, he throws this in and he basically says, don't play around with God. Don't play around with God. And he gives a plethora of imperatives of how we ought to approach him. And he starts off right in verse one. He says, guard your steps. Guard your steps. His first imperative is watch out how you approach him. You know, I, I, when we think about that, I want you to think about when you, when you guard yourself, you make sure that you, you're acting appropriately. You know, if I have any drivers in the room right now, there's been a moment that you were driving either in a residential area or even on the freeway, and you just so happen to find yourself riding next to a police officer. Y'all approach the stoplight at the same time. You try to slow up so you're not like right next to the police officer, right? And you making sure like, okay, I'm going to for sure, I'm going to stay off my phone. I'm not going to check Facebook. I'm not going to check Instagram. I'm not going to watch this TikTok video that so-and-so sent me. Why? Because if the police see me checking that stuff, it might be a problem. Am I my seatbelt on? Everybody got their seatbelt Everybody got their seatbelt on? Everything in check. You draw hands or two. You look at the police officer. Hey, how you doing, officer? At 10 and 2. You, it's funny, you've been driving the whole time. I got one hand on the wheel. Now you're next to the police officer. 10 and 2. You just, everything, you, you, you go out, making sure everything's okay. It's, it's, you, you're not even breaking any laws. It's funny, you weren't even speeding, but you hit the brake anyway. You were two miles below the speed limit and you still hit the brake. Well, all this, you're just guarding yourself. I want to make sure. I want to make sure. I, I, I'm, I'm intentional about how I'm operating. Why? Because I'm in the presence of authority. I'm in the presence of one who has authority and power to do something about it when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. We, we guard ourselves. We're used to that. Unfortunately, sometimes that intentionality doesn't occur when it comes to how we approach God. He specifically here is even talking about when we come to the house of God. Back in this time, they, they had a temple the temple was central. We had the, the Ark of the Covenant was there where God would bring his, his manifest presence before the high priest. And they would had sections that would get more and more holy the closer you got to God. And they knew, don't, don't, don't play with him. You, you can't come to him in just any kind of way because cause, cause God is holy. So people would they, would, they would take baths. It's funny, when we took our trip to Israel, and we look at, you can see where people had money, where if they had a bath, they had like tubs, they had bathing areas within their own house. You said, no, we take that for granted. You know, it's like, you, you, you get, we got, everybody got tubs. Well, back then, everybody didn't. And then you knew where the priests lived, where the Levites lived, it would be a bunch of bath areas because they would do ritual ceremonial cleansing before they went to go serve the Lord. Like, it was serious. I am saying, I'll be charged. I was like, man, I need to do I need to go on the shade before I go to church. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, would, they would take it very seriously on how we approach the Lord. They would approach the Lord in a more reverent way than they did anybody else. The reason they did so was not so that they could be blessed more. It was a recognition of, 
whom they were going before, whom they were approaching. I say that now because when we think about when we come to church. Now, God is a little different today, how he relates to us and where he dwells. His dwelling is amongst the church collective, but also the individual believer, meaning you have the indwelling Holy Spirit. So we're called in twofold. One, how we live before the Lord because he's always present wherever we go if you're a believer. And two, when we come together, how we approach God. Now, I want us to have both of these understandings because I want us to think about this. Number one, when we come to church to worship together on a Sunday, when we come to a Bible study, when we come to even a church fellowship as believers in the name of Jesus Christ, how do we approach that time? How do we come when it comes to our intention of that time? Are we coming Guarded, watching ourselves and saying, I want to make sure I go before the Lord appropriately. Or do we just, in a cavalier manner, show up? However things been doing, however life been going, whatever we doing. I say that because if truth be told, some of us, we're a little more intentional about how we approach our boss at work than we are about the Lord. And may that not be the case. Now, I don't want you sitting here thinking like I'm talking about your attire. You sitting there like, well, Pastor told me I need to be dressing up going to church. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Because here he lays out actually what he means by this. You know, he tells us to guard ourselves. And he starts off with, this is how you guard yourself starting off. So it's not about necessarily your attire as it is with spiritually and even your soul, how you're dressed. And he says, look, he's looking for first time obedience. He's like, Pastor, where you get that from? He says, he says, better to approach in obedience than to offer the sacrifice as Fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, look, it's better to do right than to be doing wrong and then show up and say, hey, let me, let me, let me offer a sacrifice for it. Ask this question. I want you to think. Let's, let's make it personal. Has anybody ever betrayed your trust? Have you ever experienced that? You know, It hurts. You know, somebody, somebody, if anybody's ever stabbed you in the back or a lot on you or a loved one uh, cheated on you, you know, that, that, that hurts. It hurts personally. All right? Now, have you ever had that person ask for forgiveness and, and try to make up for it? Okay, make up for it. You may have forgiven them. And then they did it again. And then they, let me make up for it. Make up for it. They, they buy you a gift. Take you out. Get, take you somewhere nice. You know, they, they go cut the yard. You know, they go do something in the house, right? Okay, they do that. And then they betray your trust again. They just keep doing it. They keep making up for it. Keep on it. Eventually, if somebody just keeps this habit, what are they actually communicating how they feel about you? They don't, they don't, they don't really care. They feel about them and what they want and what they need. They don't really care about the other person. I paint this picture because when we go against the Lord's word, and we say, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, I won't do it again. And I make up for it. And go to church a couple of Sundays, go serve, you know, go serve, go feed some homeless people. We made up for it. And we go right back into that lifestyle of going against God's word. And we just keep this double dutch in life. And he was saying, no, 
Don't approach the Lord and live in that way. More from Dr. Jones in a moment. But first, during this month, you can request your MP3 download of the sermon series, Time for Your Checkup, with your donation to the ministry. This is a great resource where Dr. Jones teaches us to examine and engage the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To give, go to daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones O-R-G. And request your copy today. Now, let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. He says, it's better to approach in obedience than just to bring... See, the sacrificial system was actually done, one, ultimately pointing us to Jesus and our need for forgiveness. That's, that's what it was pointing to. But it was our need for forgiveness. Why? Because we would do something wrong. But he was letting us know, like, look... The sacrificial system, why? It's reminding, like, you, you need to get right. Like, do it right. We offer a sacrifice because we messed up. So it's better to not mess up. This is the attitude that he's getting at when he uses this kind of language. And it's not the first time. I want you to know, uh, Samuel. Samuel had to tell Saul this. In Samuel 15, 22 and 23, this is some sad moments in Saul's life. He says, then Samuel said, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. Pay attention. It's better than the fat of rams. What he was telling, he was telling Saul, Saul sinned against the Lord. Saul knew he wasn't supposed to do a certain act. He did it anyway and said, hey, let's just offer a sacrifice and we'll be good. And Samuel was like, no, no, you're the king. I need you to lead by example. I need you to follow the Lord's instruction. And because he continued to do so, he lost the kingdom. He's calling us in wisdom. Maybe guard ourselves and, and, and let's not have the attitude of taking God for granted. Let's, let's, let's be serious when we approach the Lord. Jesus said this in Matthew 5. He says this, uh, so if you're offering your gift on the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister, then come and offer your gift. What he's saying is, it's not that God just wants you to give him, give him, give him, just, just, you just give him to the Lord. He was like, no, no, if there's something that's been wrong, go take care of that. Make things right, then come before the Lord. That's why at different times when we take communion, I had that time I say, take a few moments. If there's anything that's going to hinder your, your worship, anything that's going to hinder your communion with the Lord, give it to him. I'm giving the opportunity to let's, let's, let's pray, let's make things right. And then hopefully, too, that if there's something that's getting in the way or you wrong somebody or there's something you need to address, then you go take care of that. It's all an encouragement. He says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Matthew 7, 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Jesus is picking up on this same thing. And it's not that we earn salvation. It's one of the things that Jesus was pointing at in the whole of the scriptures point to that in the new covenant, we're given God's spirit and he gives us the power to walk in his ways. Let's walk in it. And we're not talking about perfectionism as much as we are honesty let's be real with ourselves and real with the Lord and let's make things right with the Lord let's make things right with those around us 
all these things. He, he, he's calling us to his first time obedience. But then he, he, he connects that with his first time obedience to, to our words and talking about how meaningful our words are. You know, you, you ever notice how we just throw out words that don't mean much? You know, uh, let's, 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 let's be, you, you ever seen somebody you hadn't seen in a long time? They're like, hey man, let's catch up. You tell me when. And you walked away like, I ain't going to text them. I ain't going to call them. I mean, like, we ain't seen each other in 10 years. We're going to get together now. But, but you just told them, let me know when. You know, or, or, or flattery, which is Lion's first cousin. Flattery, like, oh, girl, I like that outfit. No, you don't. No, you don't. I mean, no, you don't. Dudes be like, man, I see you, man, I see you. No, you really don't. You don't really care. But you, that flattery, it just, we throw words out that have no meaning. And we're told over and over we will have to give an account for every word we speak. You know, even, even when we, we have a, a heart for somebody else, we'll say something, hey, they, they're going through a tough time. Man, if you need anything, just call me. If you need anything I can do. And you sitting there like, if they call me, like, Man, I, ain't, I can pray for you. I ain't got nothing else for you. And they're sitting there, don't say it then. Don't say it. It'd be like, hey, my, my heart goes out to you. Let me know how I can pray for you. Because if you don't have nothing to give, don't tell them whatever you need. If you're just as broke as they are, don't tell them whatever you need, all right? Like, I, I ain't got no money for you, man. Dude told me the other day, he asked me for some money. I said, man, I don't, I don't even care cash like that. I don't have nothing to give you, you know. I was convicted the other day. You want to be transparent? I'm going to tell you about before the Lord. I, do answer my, I just so happened to have some cash on me. Just so happened to have some cash. I never have cash on me. Just so happened. I told him, hey, man, I, ain't, I, don't, I don't carry cash because that's my normal thing. I don't have no cash. And I had some cash on me. And I was like, I don't have no cash to like give away. <laughs> then I was like, like, dude, I like straight lie to dude. Then I was like, I want to go back and tell the dude, like, like, like I, I actually I didn't even realize I do have cash on me. But I don't give you none. And that was like in me. He was sitting there like, Pastor, you supposed to want to get all that was in me. I'm sitting there like, I'm, I'm, my kids always asking me for $10. They want to buy something. I'm sitting there like, I ain't got no cash. Ask your mama. You know, but I, it, I was convicted by it. And I was sitting there like, hold on. One, I had this habit because I just don't carry cash. I got debit cards on me. You know, and that's, that actually helped me save money, too. Because I noticed if I had cash on me, I just... Let me buy that donut. Get that, let me get that coffee. You know, let me swing over here and get this apple fritter. Y'all know I like sugar, right? So I, I don't spend it. So debit card has helped me budget better. But I was convicted by a why because I was sitting there like my words are supposed to carry meaning. But not just even with one another. We can relate to all of that. But sometimes we're the same way with God. With the Lord, we come in here and we pray and like, Lord, man, I need, I need, I'm in this bond. I need you to get me out of here. And I promise you, I promise you I'm going to start coming to church. It's like, well, no, that one, that's, that's not why the Lord want to help you so you start coming to church, you know, like that. That's not, that's, that's, you're not doing God a favor when you say that, all right? You're not doing God a favor with that. You know, it's like, I, I, I'm going to start doing right, Lord, if you, and it's like, you know, and he, you, you say, you make all these promises and you, you use all these words and, 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 and God's not impressed. He says, it's the fool that uses the many words. He's like, don't come. And he says, don't be too hasty with your speech. 
He says, don't be impulsive when you're making speeches, just going on how you feel. He wants us to approach God with intentionality. And I keep using that word. What are our intentions when we go before the Lord? He says, let your words be few. We all can understand this because either we ourselves as believers are recovering from this or the unbeliever is still held prisoner to this or we know some people around us. But liars and con artists, they can talk a whole lot. Got to get the gab. They can, they can manipulate and influence and, 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 and use a bunch of lofty words and, and say a whole lot of things that at the end of the day mean nothing. He instructs us in his word, don't do that with the Lord. And we see this concept throughout scripture. It's, it's interesting. I'm reading this. And as I'm reading this about these, these words and these vows, I think about Jesus' words in Matthew 6, doing the Sermon on the Mount, verses 5 through 8. I'm going to read them. It says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. Let me tell you something. Okay, what he's saying is they have their reward. It's not that God is blessing them. He says their reward is that people think they're great. People think, man, I want to pray like that. Their reward, the extent of their reward is other people thinking they're cool. But <laughs> it means nothing to God. He says... Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like Gentiles since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask. Remember, this is all connected to how we, we guard our steps when we go before the Lord. We're, we're intentional. How we approach the Lord, how we pray, what we about our communication to God. And he, he basically closes this out in, his, in verse 7. And he tells us, therefore, fear God. He's there, therefore, fear God. Fear God is something that runs throughout all of the Bible, Old and New Testament. Y'all ever notice that? It's, 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 it's like prominent. Matter of fact, in Proverbs 1 7, he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. It's a poetic way of saying it is step number one to living a wise and knowledgeable life is fear the Lord. That's step number one. Then he says, the fools, they don't fear the Lord. Therefore, they walk in foolishness and folly and they don't walk in wisdom. They hate wisdom. He says, he basically says this, he used this contrast. He says, look, the one who fears the Lord is actually wise. The fool who doesn't fear the Lord, they hate wisdom. He speaks in a hyperbole type of fashion. He says they hate wisdom. Remember, he is God, we are not. He says, look, he's in heaven, we're on earth. May we not treat him common. Let our yes be yes, let our no be no. May our words be meaningful. Let us have integrity. And may we fear God. He deserves all our reverence and respect. And yes, he says, come. Yes, he's open for hugs. Yes, he's open for conversation. But don't take him for granted. 
He is a consuming fire. When we say don't play with God, what do you think about? There's a statement I started using. And I share with my kids and, then I, and I get it and I tell, this, this can sound, this goes against like almost all the teaching today. How you supposed to raise your kids? But this is true. I tell, tell my children. I say, look, I'm I'm your father. I'm not your friend. Now, hopefully, I'm friendly. But what I am is the father. I say that because he's our father in heaven. He's friendly with us, and he calls us friend. Okay, he does call us friend, those who place faith in him. But he ain't our homeboy. We, we, we don't take him for granted. We don't, we don't play jokes on him. You know, we prank our homeboys and our homegirls. Don't prank, we don't prank him. We treat him as holy. We treat him as respect. He's our protector. He's our deliverer. He's our everything. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just the first half of today's message in the current series, Chasing After the Wind. 14 messages that walk you through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, where we learn that true satisfaction is found only in knowing the Lord and enjoying the life He provides. If this ministry has blessed you, we invite you to partner with us today. Please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. Also, if you would like to hear the second half of today's message, tune in tomorrow, same place, same time. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.